Welcome to Literature for Life. This is the podcast where I speak to a wonderful individual about the stories that mean the most to them, the stories that have changed them or their life in some small way. My name is Jess and I am your host. This podcast is part of the Femme On Collective, essentially an awesome group of women chatting about the things that we love and care about. My guest today is someone that I have had the joy of getting to know over the past six months, a fellow Femme On host, an exceptionally talented poet, a lover of cats, and a mimeographer in the making, Ada McCartney. Welcome to Literature for Life. Thanks, Jess. Has it really been six months that we've been doing this? I think so. I think so. I mean, I didn't count properly, but I do. That's it's incredible. like roughly that. But it's, yeah, I know. I was I was a bit blown away. I was like, what? Can't have been six months. Although it does also feel like longer. Mm-hmm. Pandemic time. Yeah, yeah. We've been having some, some wonderful chats for um, a good long while now, and I'm very, very grateful. I've been hoping to come on the show for a while and having, I'm so glad that you finally was, were like, okay, pick a book. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. I'm so excited to chat to you today. So I've given our lovely listeners a very brief introduction to you, but I think it would be awesome if you could maybe introduce yourself. Sure, sure. Um, Ada McCartney. I'm based out of Phoenix, Arizona at this moment, born and raised in Midwest Michigan. And um, I came to FemOn uh, via an MFA program in creative writing. Uh, before that, I have lived life as a theater artist, a yoga teacher. I worked in food service for ages. Um, ages. I'm only 30. I don't know how many ages I could have had by now, but it feels like a few. Yeah, there we go. Um, And at this juncture, I am kind of in the process of dreaming up and figuring out out how to walk the path that finds kind of a middle ground between the theater world and the and the writing and publishing and podcasting and kind of kind of make something that works for me that I haven't found yet. You know, that phrase, that Toni Morrison phrase, write the book that you want to read. I'm, I've been, that's my mantra for life right now. Write the life that I want to live. Yes. Oh, I love that. Oh, I absolutely love that. And I, that, that makes so much sense in, especially in like the world that we live in currently, where you could, you could, you can create over so many different mediums maybe you know maybe that's that's a bit of a rubbish word but you can create in so many different ways and you can cross create as well and um you can collaborate a lot more easily as well so it's so true sounds like a very exciting but also there is something very tricky in figuring out exactly how you want to channel your creative energy I find yeah it's not it's not necessarily easy to create something that you don't see necessarily being modeled already um and on the note of collaboration I I just continually come back to how grateful I am for like the the ease that zoom and the the pandemic has made it to collaborate with you across the pond or people that that I would never even 
think to have in my in my life sphere have just become it's just become possible to have community in so many different ways yeah absolutely it almost feels like um being able to collaborate so easily and having done so um especially with the Ferman group over the last sort of six months or so like I have a lot more creative energy now because I'm like seeing all these like possible connections and and conversations and it's almost like things seem a little bit more colorful and exciting and like it's it's really cool yeah I get it um okay so what piece of literature are we here to talk about today um i'm delighted today to bring you this book called and then you act making art in an unpredictable world by anne bogart um anne bogart bogart is the artistic director of the city company um which she co-founded in 1992 with the japanese theater director tadashi suzuki um, and she's a professor of theater and directing um, at Columbia University. I um, I first came to her work in undergrad in 2010, just around when this book came out. Um, and I read it for a class. Um, I was in undergrad on a theater scholarship, but ultimately did not uh, pursue theater right away because I... I was living with some injuries and some illness and it didn't feel like a super accessible career path. Um, and then I read this book for the first time and it goes so far beyond just theater. It's um, It's got essays like context, articulation, attitude, magnetism, time. And she just goes so deep on what it means to, what it means both as an individual artist and also for our humanity in general to make art in an unpredictable time. And, and by unpredictable, she's specifically writing about a post 9-11 world, okay. um, which for, for us here in the States, um, it's, it was a, there's a pretty, pretty distinct shift um, that happened after 9-11-2001 uh, uh, when the Twin Towers in New York City came down. Um, and I think I'm, I'm sitting here kind of rereading this book this morning and I'm thinking about the school shooting that happened yesterday in Nashville and kind of the, the just sort of roller coaster of violence that's amped up, not just here in the States, but kind of globally since 2001. Um, and I think it's still an applicable and instructive and inspiring book for me. Um, it's what I turn to when I'm feeling kind of hopeless about making anything. Yeah. So is that is that why you chose the, to discuss the book today? Because it offers you that kind of it sounds like a very um, a hope, a hopeful, but also it's kind of like um, Tanya's active activism episodes. Like it, it makes you feel empowered, maybe to like do something in a world that seems to be falling apart. Oh, absolutely. Um, she's got in, in the second chapter of the book, every chapter, she starts with a quote by somebody and it's like everything from Jeanette Winterson to William Wordsworth. But on the, like the first sentence of her second chapter is that one of the most radical things you can do in this culture of the inexact is to finish a sentence. 
So for the last little while, I have been in my just like daily morning practice, morning pages, writing practice, working on finishing sentences, because it's something that I, that I'm not very, uh, I don't think about. And I realized that I don't always do. So she just has these little nuggets that are so like, yeah, it may feel overwhelming to do a lot, but I can write a complete sentence yes. in this moment. <laughs> oh, I am all for like giving myself, not, not a low bar, but like just telling myself to do step number one. Because usually if I do step, step number one, then I'll feel like doing step number two and then it will snowball. That's why um, I only really started getting momentum with writing my novel when I said, all you have to do is 15 minutes a day. And that was actually some mm-hmm. wise advice from a friend of a friend. She was like, just 15 minutes a day. And I was like, yeah, and that worked. It's kind of like you've just got to finish a sentence. I love that. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's why I wanted to talk about this book today. I mean, I've been... I read I read novels and other books as well, but this is one that like I've been coming back to regularly since 2011. And I don't and I want to say too that I don't. Um, it's not just about it's largely about theater, but she also talks about like writing and she talks about the act of research and just like the work of living as an artistic person, which I think is work to a certain extent because it's so easy to set that aside oh, yeah. or not write the 15 minutes a day or you know just kind of assume that one day that the art will still be there one day in the future versus making it a continual uh spiritual practice if you will or a continual practice and it absolutely is a continual practice I've found creating um because it takes energy and we have Mm -hmm. a limited amount of energy every day and we have to choose how we use that energy and one thing I learned last year was like you've really got to be ruthless in protecting your creative energy like over the last two weeks I've been I managed to pass my driving test and buy a car and all my creative energy. I, I've left, it left me with no energy to create because I was just, all my energy was taken up with this other really exciting thing. But, and then I'd sit down to write and I'd be like, I've got nothing, you know? So that makes a lot of sense. Um, so this is one of the books that I haven't actually managed to read. Um, but I do like at least trying to sort of get a sense of of what the book's trying to say or um yeah I guess I guess what it's trying to say and where it's where it where it sits I guess in in the sort of cultural narrative um so I managed to find an excerpt of the introduction and it it just gave me a flavor I guess of what I think the rest of the book would be like because just in the first two pages, she said a bunch of things that I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I love that. <laughs> so I have to, I have to say, and I, so this is, this is my favorite one. And I, I already said this to my partner and he was like, well, I don't know what you want me to say. So she said, 
love means action love is not a feeling and that was the whole sentence (laughs) and I was like oh my god what and so yesterday I was speaking to my partner I was like babe I read this thing the other day love means action love is not a feeling and he was like yeah cool right it's really good (laughs) and I mean I think he he embodies that in the fact that he um creates an easter egg hunt for you for (laughs) easter Uh, yeah bless him there we go he yeah he knows it already that's why he wasn't didn't didn't knock him sideways because he does it already well done him but it's a reminder that i need though right but it was just so like because i i feel like i live by that anyway but regardless, to read something like that that feels really true and to just have it as a reminder in words on a page, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and I'm always drawn to highly accessible pieces of literature. Um, that's why I struggle to read Jane Austen because I just don't find it very accessible. I just can't get my head around the language. And so when someone writes in a, in a highly accessible but very highly impactful way I love it because that's how things stick with you that's how that message will stick with you I love I love how you put that I think that's one of the things that keeps me coming back to Anne Bogart's right her work in general but her writing this is one of uh one of two books that I have by her and I I reread both of them um frequently and I think the accessibility Every, every time I read it, it's a fairly quick read. The chapters are set up. They start with a quote. There's like some bulleted lists. The paragraphs are pretty small. The sentences are complete and they're usually not like a paragraph long. Um, and it's very digestible. And yet in its simplicity, every single time I come back to the book, I find myself underlining something else holding another page for another reason, catching something that I did not notice before or hearing something in a different way that really I, f- I need to hear in the moment. It's like sitting down for tea with an old friend who you're probably going to talk about the same things that you always talk about, but it'll hit different. Yes. Yes, it will. I love that. And I think that's because she's she's obviously thought very carefully about everything that has gone in this book there's the I mean I haven't read like I said I haven't read the rest of the book but just from that intro it seems like there's not there's no fluff you know like she's been very deliberate with what she's put in and so every every sentence every paragraph is full of meaning and and so yeah I'm not surprised that every time you read it you 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 pick something else out because I find when I'm reading something that is packed full of reading like even like a poem I have to reread it in it not that I have to I want to reread it because I know that the first time I read it I'll, I'll maybe only pick up two two of the things instead of all of the things you know so every time you read it you pick up something else and I think that's wonderful mm, mm-hmm. I'm the same way I if I don't come back to a book it's probably because I didn't it didn't click with me super hard most of the books that I that I love all I have a pretty stacked bookshelf and I'll I'll come back to them again and again. And I I'm definitely a um a margins writer. Like I make I'll make notes in the margins and I'll, you know, underline the pages and I'll like 
write little questions to myself yes. or to the to the author to come back to um yeah um okay so so considering that I haven't read the rest you you're gonna have to tell me um what she's really well like what she's really saying with this book because because you said that it, it covers quite a few topics um and it's set in the wake of 9-11 um and and just on that point one of the things that I picked out in the intro um she uses a metaphor which basically says like artists offer those around them the history the memory and the elixir and the elixir of shared experience which I loved because it was like there's always all this crazy stuff going on there's always so much darkness and so much um cruelty and, and awfulness like happening and so art is the thing that replenishes artists replenish the people around them artists replenish society that's why we need art um so so yeah so with that context in mind um I wondered if you could maybe tell us a little bit about what what some of the 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 key things that she's trying to tell us with this book I would love to um it's definitely meditating on that that role of the artist and this idea that art is spiritual sustenance and one of the most valuable elements of the book as an artist is that it's pretty practical and direct in terms of what um what i as an artist can do for my own spiritual sustenance in the process of continuing to make art that is sustainable for myself and providing and 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 substantial in that it's not fluffy um and like I'd love to just read you a little a little nugget of this um one of the things the I think maybe the secret heart my secret heart of the book is when she's writing about alchemy this idea of alchemy um and she's talking about um she writes, I believe the impulse to learn is a life-giving and life-sustaining drive. The theater can satisfy this need to learn, this desire to flourish in unique and remarkable ways. Great theater journeys educate. I never initiate a project unless there's a chance that I might unearth new territory in the process of study and discovery. Hardened prejudices are questioned and assumptions must evaporate. Ultimately, our job is not to teach others, but to learn with them. Magic is often considered a form of entertainment, but I believe that its ancient roots in alchemy suggest a far more complex and intriguing character. It incorporates elements of religion and science. It is the process of transmutation. So this, this, just this paragraph and like a sentence alone, I've taken to, to my writing practice, to my teaching practice. Um, and one of my tenants, this this tenant that I don't begin a new project unless there's a possibility that I'll, you know, unearth my own, upturn my own assumptions, learn something that I didn't know before. Um, and with the like sort of ultimate imperative being that my job is never to teach or instruct, but rather to learn with. Um, that 
blew my mind back in 2010 and it's still still upending my like it's it's still the cornerstone of my my professional and creative practice I think and I think it's like applicable it's talking specifically about theater but it's it's not just about theater if that makes sense yeah absolutely in the specificity it gets universal somehow I I totally think it's universal she's she's telling artists to open themselves up to reevaluate what they think that they know reevaluate their beliefs to never to never think that they know everything <laughs> about something which i think is incredible i i really do um because if you think that you've conquered a, something uh, you 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 you've exhausted a subject you've um you've learned all there is to know about something you are now the know-it-all of that thing then then there's no there's no there's none of that like um excitement that comes with um figuring out what else you know like the the there's such beauty the mystery is gone yeah the mystery is gone oh my god that's it that's what I was trying to say <laughs> like you're not problem solving and like one of the things that I love the most is creative problem solving with others mm. there is there is so much um there is so much magic in that I find when when you're working on figuring something out uh, something out together and I can imagine that's what it, what it's like in the theater I mean I've never I've never um worked in theater but I can imagine that's what it's like when you're figuring out what this thing on the stage is going to be so yeah I completely see that um translating I think that's beautiful I really do hmm. Hmm. and it's it is there is something like writing is pretty solitary but the theater is is inherently collaborative I mean you can be working on a one-woman show or like a one-person piece but but I think the reason that I have come to this place where I want to sort of mind meld everything together is because um that collaborative problem solving and that connection I am realizing what a vital life-sustaining force that is for me and I think what really kind of tripped like re-tripped that for me was the Femon Collective because I have there are I don't know there are some some collaborative uh places where it's not as generative and it's not and, and it like takes more energy than it gives if that makes sense yeah and I think um over the last six months in just this project and meeting with you all and creating podcasts, it's sort of reignited that spark of joy for me in the collaborative problem solving process. Even when we're, you know, sitting down to do Aria's questions or, you know, just chatting about a schedule, it's, I don't know, invigorating. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I I 110% agree. I th I felt the same actually, and it. I think I said this earlier. It like, it, 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 it there's like a domino effect. It 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 ignites that spark of creative creativity, and then you find yourself when you're doing other creative things, being a bit more like jazzed up, because you've just mm -hmm. got that like, 
it's sparked your your creative process and so all of a sudden you've got so many more ideas I I find myself like walking you know walking to the shop and be like oh I, I should ask so-and-so to do to do a to do an act of activism or I should ask so-and-so to do a film on film you know because we're thinking of, we're like thinking about the conversations we've had as the femon group yeah that makes total, total sense and there's someone to share all the ideas with it's not just you know like dying in the notebook or sort yeah. of you know falling asleep with you at 3 a.m there's a yeah there's a, a pot to simmer it in with other people yeah exactly um and i i, I do think there's also something there's also an element of vulnerability, I think, to 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 that 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 kind of leaving yourself open to discover, to learn more. Like in I think in 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 one way, like you have to you have to sort of accept a level of vulnerability, constant vulnerability, because we I think we feel less vulnerable when we think we know everything and we know what's going to happen and there's no hidden surprises and so if we think that we'll always be discovering something there's always something to learn we we might make mistakes on the way we have to be vulnerable and I also think that's key Mm. this is just one paragraph so I can only imagine what the rest of the book is like every time you read it you're like oh my gosh (laughs) it's true it's true um I've used I've used bits of this book in the writing classes that I've taught. I have I um when I used to teach yoga, I would read sections of it while they're sitting in meditation. Yes. I love that. Um the other thing that she does in here is she she really analyzes like and this kind of is one of the like nerdier more theater specific parts, but she really analyzes like the strengths and weaknesses of the form, like theater as a medium. Um, And she writes, can I read you one more little nugget? Yes, please do. Um, She writes, theater's weakness is also its greatest strength. Theater artists have the ability, opportunity, and yes, the responsibility to move across the lines between seemingly alien and unrelated professions. We create space and opportunities where meetings can occur among people who do not usually interact with one another. Finally, what's missing in what theater does, what the theater can do, and what it should do is humanize those who have been dehumanized by assumptions and frozen values of the world we inhabit. Blimey. That's, yes, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. And so I think I take that with me, whether whether it's in performance or whether it's coming to the Femon group or teaching a class on English composition. I I think it's like I've taken to heart that imperative of, you know, crossing crossing the boundaries into alien territory and and just like bringing together people that wouldn't normally talk as a as a basis for just my own my own learning growing and being a better human yeah um and 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 that's something that we need to shout from the rooftops about is like speak to people you speak to people you wouldn't usually speak to in your in 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 your daily life for whatever reason like speak to people who might not have the same views as you who 
had a different um you know who who grew up in a different way in a different country under a different religion like speak to people who are not you and who do and if not... you're afraid to speak to them read a book watch yeah. a show that's not for you <laughs> I love that read a book <laughs> <laughs> yes but yeah that's it doesn't have to you know I mean yes like literal conversations between people but also you know explore that show that you don't think is that you're that you wouldn't think you're the audience for you know yeah um yeah absolutely um okay so we've we've touched on this a little bit but I I I was hoping that um you could maybe just talk to us a little bit more about exactly where you were when in your life when you first read this book like that what was that you read it what was that like initial impact that like wow like this is a book I would love to. Um, I was in a place in my life where um, I had just sort of started, I'd had a pretty severe spinal injury about four years before. And when I first read this book, I I had the injury my freshman year of of undergraduate. And then four years later, I read this book as um, a senior in my undergraduate program, just on the cusp of like, graduating as you know a 23 year old what is what am I going to do next um and I was just starting to really delve into the eightfold path of yoga I was um really just starting to think about how I could take the my theater practice more seriously but also make it um make it work for me and be accessible for me because certain certain physical and um certain physical realities of it were not accessible for my for my body and my being at the time um and also there were some there were some things about like the industry that were that that I was grappling with I was like well I don't I don't know if I can you know do this professionally and then I picked up this book um at the suggestion of the director of a play I was in and my my beloved acting teacher who had also introduced me to yoga. Um, I, I just adore this woman, Ren, still to this day. And she, she suggested this and I was, you know, in my apartment and I devoured it in like the span of a weekend. Um, just, I just laid in bed and read it all in one go. And it really opened up for me this idea that whether or not I, walk down the traditional path of the theater career or do something else entirely that the essence and the heart of making art and making theater are something else entirely and it's up to me as an artist to kind of you know the grappling with it is the is the art is the ritual as Audrey Lord always um has this uh sentence that I just keep coming back to the struggle is the ritual um and I think even before I read that sentence by Audre Lorde um this book by Anne Bogart kind of uh, elucidated that for me that that sort of grappling with what it means to be an artist in the world to identify as such like what what does that mean for me and my role in the world and like and that it's okay to not have the answers. And in fact, that like the figuring out is the work. 
So it but, sounded like, and apologies if this is not correct, I might be projecting. <laughs> project away. But it sounds like you were maybe at a time in your life where you were like, why don't I have the answers? Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, why don't I have the answers? I should have the answers. Like, why don't, why don't I know what my next step is? Like, why don't I know what this path looks like? And then you read a book and it was like, no, no, that's, that's the point. <laughs> like this whole thing, this is art. Like you're in, you're exactly where you need to be. It really, it really was. It was the balm for my soul. I was surrounded, my partner's six years older than me. So, you know, as a 23 year old, you know, I, I see him and I have to like, kind of remind myself that he's older. Otherwise I get in that space of like, oh, he's already figured it out. Why am I not there yet? And, you know, in the, in the school that I went to, I was, um, you know, I was in a cohort with people who were headed off to Yale drama school who were, you know, going to LA to like start um, working with the actors union who were like doing some really big, awesome things. And I'm over here like, I think I'd just like to keep, you know, teaching art to kids part-time and I'm not really sure what I'm like. I have this part-time job. I'm cool. Can I just keep doing that for a little <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I don't really know what's next. Um, so oh, yeah. reading this was such like, it was freeing. Yes. Oh yeah. I can only imagine. I, I think we have all been in that head like we've all been in that headspace I think even for people who think they have it figured out um I know so many people who have felt stuck because they thought they had a plan and then they started doing their plan and they don't like it and now they need to change the plan um and they need to fit and and and, and they're they, they feel stuck because they're figuring it out um and I, I almost feel like that's part of feeling rubbish about figuring it out is capitalism. Like we're in this oh, whole gosh. big <laughs> capitalist society that's like, get going, make money, climb the ladder. You better be productive every single second of the day. Did you get up at 5 a.m. and go for a run and then come back and start your own business? No, well then you're obviously not doing it right are you like and I and if you haven't achieved everything by the age of 30 you're old <laughs> you're absolutely you're old and gone like you might as well give up now <laughs> mm. and I, I do think it's worse for women I just oh do. my gosh yes it's just worse for women as well so like that, this book this book I can I can ex I can picture exactly how you were feeling like thank god someone just told me that what I'm feeling is okay like mm -hmm. I'm in the right place <laughs> I need to read this book um, <laughs> yes um I'll send you a copy I actually have a second copy just because I have given it away enough times that I eventually just bought two copies so that I could keep the one that I have no thin and not be sending a soiled book <laughs> I do that too I give my books away and then I forget that I read them so I never get them back <laughs> because and that, I don't mind because I forgot that they, I read them and I was like this book is so good you must read it and then like a year later and then I buy it again and you're like oh oh I've read this <laughs> oh yes it was amazing yes yeah but yes please do that that'd be great
Yeah, that'd be great. So yeah, it sounds like it was exactly the book you needed at the time. Um, and so really and truly, did it did it give you a breather? Did did do you find that it in you were able to be more patient with yourself almost in figuring it out? I mean, on my best days, yes, and I think that's still true. I revisited it. I think in this past December, I was sort of paralleling that place that I was in in 2011 when I first encountered the book. So I picked it back up again to see what wisdom Anne Bogart had to offer. Um, And I think on my best days, I'm able to, you know, act accordingly. Um, But it also helps me remember that, like, we're not, it's okay if you're not your best day every day. So um, I don't know. I think I'm still still working it out yeah and and that's the beauty of it like you can still be working it out and still be creating beautiful beautiful art as well um Mm -hmm. one thing that I has just popped into my head is I guess it kind of ties into what to to what you said earlier about alchemy it does sound like there is a bit of a um like there's a bit of a parallel like a oh, I'm trying to not I'm trying not to use the word juxtaposition juxtaposition because it's just too long it's such a good word <laughs> um but on, like it sounds like on one hand she's she's trying to tell you that there is beauty in fig- figuring it out which is brilliant but on the other hand she is telling you to take action I mean the book mm-hmm. is said and then you act and in that intro bit she 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 says, like, we cannot afford inaction due to d- despair. Like, like ben, don't don't misunderstand me. We need to act. You need to like do something. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, mm-hmm. what's that? What's that balance like? Because it sounds like it's all intertwining. But I'm interested to know, like, how she like how that makes sense for me. It's um, I love I love that line so much. Um, I'm. A person who's very prone to long and intense bouts of depression and anxiety, like depression lasting over a year. Oh, um, and for me, that um, that bit that we like, just because you're despair in despair doesn't mean that you can't do anything. Um, I, it's so heartening for me because sometimes when you're in that despair, it's like, Oh, I can't do anything, but that's not true. You absolutely can. And so it's like, the, I think the balance is that it doesn't have to be everything. And there are times when, you know, not doing when resting, when doing nothing is, it is doing something mm-hmm. and it needs to be done sometimes, but yes. But it has to traverse the spectrum and eventually, or the, it has to eventually come around full circle to action or what's the point? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and the other thing I think for me that the sort of balance, the way that I, that balance for me is that like, it has to, it's great to, you know, put everything in the morning pages, everything in the notebook, but but the action is then in revisiting that and like examining it and, and pulling something out and doing something like 
doing more than just regurgitating feelings and ideas into the space and like letting letting you know the notebook page or the the stage be a sounding board but then there's that like second step of listening to the conversation of taking the action of you know doing one small thing um I think I'm rambling a bit and I don't know if I've actually answered the question (laughs) you definitely have you're not rambling I everything that you said makes makes total sense like there is at some point in your creative process you have to turn all of your ideas into a thing and that has to happen every time that you come to to create um and it can be easy I think as a creative person to be like I'm still in the idea stage (laughs) (laughs) I'm in that idea stage that like you know just putting stuff on a page it makes no sense but you can't stay in that stage forever and I do so I do like that she's giving you a kick up the butt like she's giving giving the reader a bit of a kick up the bum you know and Mm because I do think as creatives you can get so lost in the visualization in your in your mind of all this little ideas and what it could be (laughs) yes what it could be also I'm not sure if I'm the only one who does this I also like to imagine how I'll feel when I'm done even though I have totally taken a step to get there today but I'll just sit there and be like oh it's gonna be so good when I finish my book and I've sold some copies such a good endorphin hit to visualize what to think about what it will feel like yeah so there's Anne Bogart being like they haven't done anything today actually (laughs) (laughs) you should probably should probably get a move on um it may feel good thinking about how it will feel later but think about (laughs) how it will feel when you actually take a step when you've done it yeah do something do something no I'm not so yeah that makes so yeah that makes complete sense um perfectly explained um so I guess is there anything else in terms of what the book is is telling the reader that you think that that you wanted to maybe share um the truth in art exists in the tension between contrasting realities. I opened the book randomly and that was underlined. And I, but I think it, <laughs> I think that's powerful. Um, I love that you can do I that. I don't know. Just open the book and, 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 and read a sentence and it will give you something. I think that's one of the best, like my favorite books you can do that with. And one of the best things about this book is that Every time, every time I open, here's another one. Aesthetics pertain to things perceivable by the senses. The word aesthetic derives from the ancient Greek word sensation. Aesthetics are not theoretical, rational, or academic concepts. That blew my mind. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, stop trying to theorize the way something feels. Stop trying to make my feelings practical. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Just let me be in my feelings and in my senses. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, this book sounds, it just, um, it sounds like something that you can just always have near you. And so if you need a little bit of a boost or you need a little bit of quick guidance or some inspiration, you can just pick it up open it it's such a good size for that too it's like it fit if you have man pockets it'll probably fit in your pocket or like your hoodie pocket it's definitely something you can pull out on the train 
the essays are all pretty, um, like they're not, there are nine of them and it's not, the book is only, I don't know, less than 200 pages. Um, and then they're all like sectioned out. So every, you can read, you know, a few paragraphs at a time and still get something out of it. Yeah. And do you think that's part of why you keep coming back to it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't, there's not a whole lot of like junky prose to weed through or like bluff, uh, as you so beautifully said earlier, it's, um, it's something you can kind of open randomly and, and visit, visit with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So I, I ask this to everyone who comes on the, um, podcast and the, the answer is usually very similar, but who do you think should read this book? Like, who do you think would benefit from reading? I've been waiting for you to ask me that question and I'm so glad you did. I do not think this is a book for everybody. Um, okay, let's get because it. not this. This is a book for um, for artists. It's a book for whether and I don't. I don't think it's exclusive to theater artists because she talks about you know the difference between poetry and prose. She talks. She talks about a lot of things, but I think this book is for any artist who is uncertain about their role in society or feeling despair about making art or feeling like it's just too hard to do the thing. Um, it's a book for artists. It's a book for, even even if you're not, I don't, and I, and I wanna be clear here because a lot of people are like, well, you know, I make, I do collage, but I'm not an artist. Or like I do, da 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 da, I write, but I'm not a writer. And I think that's total bullshit. Um, If you make art and it's part of your practice, if you write on a regular basis and it's practice for you, you are a writer, you are an artist. Stop equivocating over identity politics. It is a waste of your time. Um, And this book is for you because, wow, that was so vigorous. Something just fell off my shelf and there's no cat in (laughs) sight to knock it. Yes. Um, so, So this is a book it's a book to help anyone who's feeling like the world is unpredictable and making art is, is getting harder, but who wants to keep doing it? I love that answer. Love, love, love. And, and that means that I should absolutely read this book. Um, And what you said about ident like, if you if you create art, you are an artist. I just think that should be like painted on walls and <laughs> and given to people on business cards, like because put it on our feminine t-shirts. Yes, let's put it on t-shirts because for the first four months of me writing, I was like, I'm not a writer though. No, I'm not. I'm just buying some stuff. Are you doing everything? Why? Kind of, what yeah, was exactly. it? Was that your voice or someone else's voice? In no, your that head? was me. That in literally. I, I spent some of my creative energy just like figuring out at what point I could be like, no, I'm a writer. And this is at the point where I'd already had my blog. My little blog was up and running. I'd written a bunch of essays on there. And I was still like, oh, you know, I'm not not really a writer. I'm just, I'm writing. One day I'll be a writer. So everybody who creates art in whatever way needs to listen to Ada when she says it's 
bullshit if you don't want <laughs> if you don't think that you are that artist um so yeah wonderful thank you um okay so before I let you go and this has been such a beautiful conversation um please let our lovely listeners know where they can find you mm. thanks Jess and thanks for having me I I always I love talking with you um you can find me on the internet at www.aamccartney.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and you can find me on the femon.show website. Yeah, you can. All of your wonderful yeah. poetry theater, poetry theater episodes. Wonderful. Oh, thank you so much for chatting with me today about this awesome book. I mean, I'm sure we could have chatted for like another hour or 40 minutes or whatever it's been um Indeed. and maybe we can do a part two eventually <laughs> be like no actually we need read, to i'll read thing. you excerpts from it <laughs> oh my gosh instead of instead of people sort of having like um sleep audio books that they fall asleep to it'll just be you reading excerpts from this book <laughs> Um, but yeah, thank you, Ada. This has been so wonderful. Thanks, Jess. The pleasure is mine. <laughs>